With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. My name is Laura Bradburn and I am joined as always on this Friday by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, been a big week since the last time we were on, a couple of signings, uh, mm-hmm. half decent result in Europe, not a brilliant <laughs> result, but I'll take it given what I thought was going to happen when we went into it, but we'll go into all that later. Uh, joined again this week by the wonderful Colin Watt. How are you doing, Colin? I'm doing good. Um, I almost had a wee gym Wi-Fi issue just before we came on here, so I feel like I'm growing into this role pretty well. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got to fit in somehow. Uh, Jim, unfortunately, not joining us again this week. Um, 
other pressing matters have come to the, fr- the fore, I should say. So he will hopefully be back with us next week. But as soon as he is available, we'll get him back on. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Love all your comments. We'll obviously get to um, reading them in due course. But before we do all that, as is customary on a Friday, we'll go to our guest, the Celt. And I have to say, <laughs> I got a very excited text message from Colin Watt when he was coming back on because he was very, very excited about this this guest, the Celt. For anybody who hasn't seen it, it was, of course, uh, Gary Hooper. For my money the best goal scorer we had in the post or the first great goal scorer we had in the post Henrik Larsson era but we'll go into that a little bit later on Colin I'll come to you first why were you texting me like an 8 year old boy going <laughs> Gary Hooper Gary Hooper can't believe it what's what's the big deal about Gary Hooper okay, he was alright wasn't he he was no Stefan Skepovic um, <laughs> no you, you said it um, just there, Laura. He is probably one of the most natural finishers of a ball that we've seen at the club since Henrik Larsson was here. Um, and unfortunately for him, his career just kind of went um, in a downward trajectory after he left Celtic. But if he was to have stayed at the club, uh, if he'd have got seven, eight, maybe even more seasons out of him, he was someone that could have went on to break the records at the club. He was just it was so natural and he's been the striker that everybody's been missing since he left. Hmm. The amount of times that players would get down the right-hand side, and I'm thinking of Frimpong when he broke through into the team, get to the byline, cut it back, and there was nobody there. And you just knew a striker like Gary Hooper would have been there to put it in the back of the net. Um, and you know what? Sometimes there's just a club that team that a player is fit for, and Gary Hooper was fit for a perfect fit for Celtic. Probably one of the best signings that was made in that period, especially when you look at it. Guys like Joe Ledley coming in, Victor Wanyama. We had a really good scouting system back then, and to pick someone up for two and a half million, who was the top goal scorer in the championship the season before he came up, how much would you be paying for someone like that nowadays? It was a, a bargain buy for Celtic, and he, he didn't do well when he left the club. But when there was kind of rumours of him coming back, I would have been really excited to see what he could have done, especially as even as a backup to someone like Dembele or Edward. Yeah, it's an interesting point you raised there about what you would have been excited to see him come back. As you'll see from the headline we've got there, the Fraser Foster rumours are coming uh, back again. We'll go into that but a bit later in the whole ethos of whether um, Celtic players are, are for coming back to the club. But before we do that, Tony, I'll come to you and Gary Hooper. I said before that um, for me he's the best, or he was the first real goal scorer we had in the post-Henry Larson era for, for, for years between Larson's uh, departure in 2004 and Gary Hooper arriving in 2010 we were looking for that person who would be at the end of the moves that Colin's talking about there to do the main job of putting the ball in the net, he he had that didn't he? I had it in abundance uh, I think Gary Hooper was a classic example of a, a man leaving the club and finding out that the grass wasn't exactly greener mm you know, elsewhere. You know, I don't blame players for chasing a big payday. But as, as a lot of people say, when you leave Celtic... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. 
the best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Your career trajectory is down the way. Sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. But uh, for Gary Hooper it was, and he could never recapture that form or grab the glory or the limelight as Colin said, once he left the club. But what a phenomenal goal scorer. And, and another player that came in and got it from the get-go. You know, I think of Gary Hooper. I, I think of that sliding goal from Izaguiri Cross. Against mm-hmm. yeah. I think the goal before that where he took one touch and he was lightning. And before he knew it, he was in on McGregor sliding under him. I think of the goal in Moscow. They helped Celtic to their first ever away. Champions League win, Lustig Cross. No lethal finish. No, and... The one that he also took to the side and streamed into the top corner against Rangers as well. And he's cracker at Ibrox, although they lost that game where he bent. I mean, I've never seen a ball bend as much as that, with the exception of Roberto Carlos's free kick and the two and How Gary Hooper managed to squeeze that in past McGregor, which is no mean feat at Ibrox that day. And the ball, somebody seemed to be controlling the ball from the stand. <laughs> that day, the way he bent it, I mean, it was a, it was a sublime finish. Sadly, they lost, but still a cracking goal on the mark. The hallmark of a striker who just knew where the goal was. You know, he hit one in against Moscow as well. The qualifier was Celtic 1 2 1. Screamed it straight through the keeper's legs, but you know, you put the ball in front of him. And what, a, what a nose and an eye for goal he had. And as you say, probably, yeah, the, the talismanic figure that the Celtic fans have been craving since, since Larson. I think that's why they latched on him so much and it's why they were so disappointed to see him go because he went to a club that, was it Norwich he went to, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He left to go to Norwich and you say to yourself, I understand why you're going, but stay. You know, you you were playing regular, well, you were playing Champions League football, regular European football. You know, you could have probably stayed for for longer and maybe got a better move and then still enjoyed it because he would have been scoring goals and he would have been in a place that he was loved and he was a dog, you know. Yeah. But a lot of Celtic fans say, oh, he was a mercenary, was this or that. that. That's fair enough. You can't blame players for chasing money. But Celtic made Gary Hooper. 
Mm-hmm. But it also made the rod for Gary Hooper's back moving going forward. Mm. And he could never quite replicate that for him or be part of a team that he was one of the that he was the attacking full promo. You know, people said when Gary Hooper left Celtic, he would play for England. Premiership strikers needed more than that. Yeah. You yeah. know, he was a penalty box predator, but he wasn't a guy who could run the channels and, you know, flick the ball on and maybe beat two and three players and stick in the top corner. That's maybe why the things that were maybe lacking in his game, but put the ball in front of him in front of the goal, he wouldn't miss. I tell you what, see the partnership, sorry, Laura, the partnership no, between Hooper and Stokes was outstanding. They were two players that just knew where each other was going to be. I'm thinking to the game at Easter Road when we had the Bumblebee kit on, we won 3-1 that day. I think Stokes and Hooper both scored and they were just outstanding. It was almost telepathic. Um, but I'd say that my favourite Gary Hooper story is going into the last day of the season against Hearts when he knew he was like two or three goals behind in the top goal scorer charts. And we beat Hearts 5-0 that day and Gary Hooper gets all five. That's that's the kind of striker that he had, and every single goal was outstanding. Yeah, he's he, he was just a fantastic scorer, and and something that I think we missed in the post last season. Something that I think we certainly missed last season. You know, Lee Griffiths. You could probably have argued at one point in time was that um, hasn't been for a long time, uh, and certainly was something we were missing that that cutting edge finish that that we needed. Um, and I think, uh, Tony, I was behind the goal, that, that Rangers goal that you're talking about, um, that he bent it in. And it was one of those ones that the minute it left his foot, you just knew it was sailing into the back of the net and you were celebrating before it was even in the goal. Mm-hmm. Just we, utterly we, euphoric feeling. We, yeah. You just wondered how he did it, though. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was just like, he had little room for error. I mean, it was perfection personified of a striker. Mm-hmm. You know, one touch, look up, past a goalkeeper of McGregor's caliber, you know, it was... Quite an exquisite finish, to be honest. Yeah, and I was I was going to say that so many years we've watched um, Rangers have great goalkeepers like uh, McGregor, like Kloss, like Gorham, who you know would save shots like that in their sleep, and and were so often a point of frustration. We talked about George Cadet last week. That team lost a lot of old firm matches because of the goalkeeper they were playing against rather than because of their own play yeah. and for him to put a finish like that away against a goalkeeper as you say of McGregor's calibre who's probably arguably a better goalkeeper today than he was then even but um, but still a brilliant goalkeeper um, was just a sign of his absolute class uh, but you know it, oh, as you say, his, his career didn't go to the heights that we would have hoped it would for him um, and a case of the grass isn't always greener on that point, let's move on to the, the topic below. Fraser Forster transfer transfer speculation re-emerges. Now, for anybody who follows me on Twitter, I think I've made my feelings clear on the matter, but I'll, I'll say it again now. For me, Fraser Forster coming back, he's the greatest goalkeeper I've ever seen in a Celtic shirt. Hands down. I, I was born 1989, so I remember the, the dying embers of, of Packy Bonner's days, who in his day was a great goalkeeper, but I don't think even on the level of, of, of Fraser Forster, he, he w- at, his, at his height, he was not only the best goalkeeper I've play, seen play for Celtic, he was probably one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. Having said that, I'm, I'm not for him coming back. We, we had he had ample opportunity to come back last season he's been away twice and come back twice I don't want to be sloppy seconds for a guy like that now 
Colin, I'll come to you. Am I am I wrong on that situation? You you said you would have loved to have brought Hooper back, but what about Forster? I mean, if, if Forster does sign again, I think there will be a record for the amount of times he's signed for a club. Mm-hmm. This will be the fifth time he's signed for is if he does come back. Um, look, he's meant to be on 130 grand a week, so maybe the idea of that kind of is put to bed that he would need to take a massive pay reduction to come here. Would I take him? Regardless of the fact that he um, has been here four times before, yes, I would. And I'll tell you for why, right? It's not just about what he's done in the past. It's about the type of goalkeeper that he is. And whether it's Fraser Foster or whether it's someone else who's in that calibre, a goalkeeper, it's exactly what we need right now. I'm looking at Rangers and I'm seeing a guy in goal who is getting them 12 to 15 points a season with the saves that he's pulling off. We've got a goalkeeper at the minute that we don't even know can come out for a cross. And I've, I've been a fan of Barkas and I, I think there is a good goalkeeper in there, but I, I can't rely on him to pick up 12 to 15 points a season for us. And that's what you need. You need a solid goalkeeper at the back. And I understand the discussion on he needs to be good with the ball at his feet. He needs to play the ball out. Look, that comes later. Keep the ball out the back of the net. We conceded far too many goals stupidly last season. All you need is someone that you can rely upon that if a shot's coming even straight at him, it will be saved. Sometimes last season, there was shots straight at the goalkeeper that went in the back of the net. So get him. He keeps the ball at the net first. Work on the rest of the stuff in training. I'd rather have a reliable number one than switching between the three that we've got right now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with, you know, the the caliber of goalkeeper there. John Sweeney on YouTube, thanks for comment. Says Foster or Barkas, it's a no no break brainer, and having him, we could win the league. Um, somebody else has said um, McGregor is making the huge difference for Rangers. So, you know, goalkeeper in this day and age is a vital position. Tony, am I re- letting my heart rule my head by saying I wouldn't have him back? Do you think? Well, you're perfectly entitled to your opinion. I'll give you a definition. Goalkeeper, a player charged with the task of stopping the ball entering the net. It's a no-brainer for me as well. Mm. I thought was the best goalkeeper that you know, a lot of Celtic supporters have seen in that jersey. I'm with Colin. What, we start with the basics first. You know, I'm not a fan of the sweeper-keeper, but I know Ange likes to play that, but Big Foster could, could learn to do that. You First and foremost, you keep the ball out the net. Celtic's Achilles here last season was not keeping the ball out the net. These are first to defy belief with some of his performances at Celtic. And if he's available and they can get him, the wages calling all the way to their fine. But then you have to, the Celtic are in desperate need of a goalkeeper that can keep the ball out the net. And also as well, they're in desperate need of a goalkeeper who's commanding, who has presence and instills confidence in your back four. These are first did all of that and the above. You only need to look at that League Cup final performance yeah. against Rangers. Utterly superhuman. We sight a, a team out of that. Because Celtic were second best on that day, although they created the two, well, the Sanchez game scored one, Michael Johnson was the other. But these are forced to psych the whole team out of, of that Cup final. Leave the Rangers team believing that he was unbeatable. You know, name me, name me a performance like that that you've seen from a Celtic goalkeeper ever. The only one you can ever think about that's on par with that is maybe Davy Marshall in the new camp. Right. Mm. That probably, yeah. You know, but see when you see when you've got the ability to do that as Foster has, then I think, you know, bringing him back, I don't really care how many times he's been brought back and 
and he should have came back last year and I think a lot of Celtic fans felt badly let down by that and it's maybe a year too late but he's still a great goalkeeper and as I say he instills confidence and that's a specialist position and the specialism is you keep the ball out the net and that man can do that in abundance so I, I, I wouldn't be averse to it uh, but you're entitled to your opinion as well if you don't see it written in and working and I know a lot of people don't think you could adapt to this sweeper-keeper role but I just want a keeper that keeps the ball out the net for a start and, and we'll work on the rest later That that's something you can build on and you know, and I'm sure Ange could talk him round to adding that to his game but yeah. uh, as a presence he would be huge and goal not just for uh, the actual art of goalkeeping but the defenders as well because he just instills confidence in him He's just a big, big man, isn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah. Terrifying prospect at times. I don't, I don't think you need to look further than the Euro 2020 winners uh, in, in Italy to see Donnarumma, who, for my money, I, I used to uh, write a bit about Italian football just when he was coming up at AC Milan. So you're talking, I mean, he's only 22 or something now, but you're talking about four or five years ago. He was only 17 when he was in the Milan first team and then uh, I think 18 when he made his debut for Italy. His distribution up until this day and his f- footwork is not great, but he's probably the best shot stopper in the game at the moment. And, you know, that's enough to make you a good goalkeeper. So, so I take on board both your points. Listen, I reserve the right to be as much of a hypocrite as anybody else. <laughs> I, I said sentiment's got to go out the window with Neil Lennon. You've got to look at the results. I said sentiment's got to go out the window with Paddy Roberts. You've got to look at the statistics. And now that Fraser Forster wants to come back, it's all sentiment saying I don't want him back. So listen, I know how much of a hypocrite I sound, but you know. You're consistent, Laura. I am consistently inconsistent, if, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry Colin, on See, the thing that I think we can all agree on is there does need to be a goalkeeper to come in, I think, this summer. I don't think you can rely on the three that you've got at the minute to um, get us through, especially to sort of challenge for the title. If we're going to compete in Europe, if we get through the rounds, I I still do think that you're looking for another keeper to come in, whether it's Fraser Forster, whether it's someone else. I know we're linked with Matt Ryan before he made the move to Sociedad, so there's... I think there's definitely the outlook there that we will bring in a goalkeeper between now and uh, the transfer window, transfer window closing. Sorry. But the bottom line is all three goalkeepers that we've had have had the chance to claim that as the undisputed number one. And none of them have. None of them have covered themselves in glory at any stage or proved that they are, they're reliable on the big stage. No, and they've all had the big stage. But you would not be... You know, you would not be comfortable going into battle again with one of them as your undisputed number one. So that says it all. And they've all got a try at it. And you can only be fair to them for so long. Celtic are in dire need of a goalkeeper. Whether that's Foster or somebody else, as you say, Colin, so be it. But they Mm -hmm. have to get somebody who, first and foremost, can keep clean sheets and the ball out the net. Neither Mm -hmm. of the three of the guys that are there can do it on a consistent basis. That's the bottom line. That's why we're having this discussion. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Um, we'll go on to talk about the, the game against Mitchelland on Tuesday a little bit later and, and the obvious, uh, well, what, what some consider an obvious error from Barkas, others consider it a bit more technical than that, but we'll discuss that in more detail. Um, a couple of comments coming in from David McMillan um, on YouTube. I wouldn't want him back. Great keeper, but he let us down last season. Enough is enough. And Ryan Kelly agreeing with that. 
Um, but plenty coming down on your side, guys, as well, saying, you know, that regardless of... Uh, Regardless of what's happened previously, you know he's he's an excellent goalkeeper and all that should all that's that's all that should matter, I should say. But before we go on to talk about the game against Mitchelland on Tuesday, just looking at you know your comments about Gary Hooper calling and this Fraser Forster conversation that we had, um, the kind of stick that I was getting on Twitter a few weeks ago with the whole Paddy Roberts thing. There's a there's a there seems to be a hankering among Celtic supporters and in, in general. Um, to sometimes want players back to capture former glories. Um, It's extended even into new generations of players with some folk wanting Jordan Larson to come to the club. Um, You know, I don't see that ending well in any case because as good a player as he is, I don't think he could live up to his dad's um, reputation among Celtic supporters. Where do you stand on the general issue of bringing players back to the club? Do you you agree with it in general or does it go on a case-by-case basis or is it generally a no? I'd probably say it's a case-by-case basis. Um, There's some players that have went to the club and came back that just didn't work for them. Um, Definitely Paddy Roberts' second spell, although he was um, hampered with a lot of injuries, it just didn't live up to the the hype of the first time round. And saying that, I still think he's a fantastic footballer and I think he's just never been able to capture the form that he he showed the first time round here. Um, Sean Maloney is probably one that I look at as someone who was almost as successful the second time round when he came back um, I thought he actually played pretty well apart from that there's some players where it's just like as you're saying about Jordan Larson I think the, the boy's a fantastic striker I don't know if any of you saw his goal that he scored for Spartak the other night where he mm. dinked it over the goalkeeper that was that was basically just watching his dad from about 25 years ago um, but there is there's, there's certain things where you just say look the nostalgia aspect to it that's what's drawing a lot of the attention. He'll be a fantastic striker, but you just know that if he only scores 10, 15 goals a season, you go, well, your dad scored 53, where are you? I mean, it's it's not worth taking the risk. It's another thing where it's the same when Henrik Larson gets linked to the managerial job all the time. Don't let him come here. Look what happened to Ali McCoyst at Rangers. Don't let him come here. Just continue to live off the nostalgia aspect and uh, Amazon or Netflix if you're watching, I want a, a seven part series on Henrik Larsson very similar to the Michael Jordan thing that's surely a great watch That would be excellent, but uh, before you mention Ali McCoyst, closer to home don't don't bring him back and have him do a Neil Lennon, that's what I would oh, well, I, I thought we weren't going to mention that Laura, come on <laughs> we're trying to move on And also <laughs> Don't age us too much. 25 years ago, his dad was doing that. Try 15. <laughs> like, ah, well, what? What we in 2021? You go back. Is I'm thinking as far back as what the 94 World Cup when he was doing it for Sweden. Ah, well, fair enough. Fair enough. That was his pre-Celtic days, but he, he did have his iconic dreadlocks at the time. Tony, what what are your thoughts on on the subject? Are you are you more of a it's been and done, move on, or do you think there's cases where a player can come back? Listen, it's always it's it's so romantics in the Celtic supporters when they cling on to a hero and he leaves and then there's a chance that they come back that they can recapture former glories. That's all they think about. Mm. No, they don't think about in the here and now. They think about what they did before, you know. And that it's hard to recapture that and recreate that because you don't have the same team. Time has moved on. The game's moved on. You know that kind of thing. But it doesn't stop the hopeless romantic and the Celtic supporters. You know, who the whole club's built in nostalgia, isn't it? You know, and icons and heroes from the past. And it's what we do best. You know, some 
some players more than others some take on a doy-eyed mystical reverence don't they Mm. They all of a sudden become better than, than they were in, in your eyes and you go all dewy thinking about it but you know, does that old adage never go back you know don't work for Fraser Foster to be fair you know so thankfully but I'm always I'm always if you're talking about bringing people back I'm always about what they can contribute mm. you know not just the nostalgia factor and the emotional factor and the romantic factor they have to be able to contribute First and foremost, you know, and a lot of those cases in the past have been brought back for the emotional pull. You know, Charlie Nick came back, Frank McAvaney came back, you know, guys like that, and it and it never worked. But you and I, realistically, well, if you're old enough to remember those times, realistically, you would have known it was a clutching at straws. You know, mm. that they weren't going to perform the way they did because they never had the players around them. So it depends mm. what, what time as well. You know, the, the Jordan Larson ones just built out a pure nostalgia, you know, and of course there'll be tricks in his dad, because it's, you know, it's genetics. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? So, but he'll always have that comparison, the same as Kenny Oglish's son had the comparison, George Best's son had comparison, you know, you, you, you are never going to live up to those idols as footballers. You can only try and make your own path, you know. And Paul Dalglish found it really hard to shake off the, the King Kenny because not only did he look like King Kenny, a couple of times when he swivelled and did the pivot, I mean, he was just, he was just amazing if his dad as a, as a footballer and did things mm. similar, but he was never going to be of that, you know, golden elk. I think Kenny was something special. That's hard for, for sons of famous footballers to try and, and be and then they get labelled. So the last thing is monitor him again, a person of interest. And if he can do that on a persistent basis, then he might be worth saying, OK, a punt. But in general, footballers, I'm always of the kind of, what can they bring to the table? If you can really prove that you're going to add value, they can come back. But be wary of that, because they're never going to recreate the, the so-called glory days. You know, Patrick Roberts had a brilliant purple patch the first time at Celtic and lived off that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I don't know how good or bad Patrick Roberts as a player has, has been since. You're always comparing it to that first phase at Celtic, aren't you? Yes. And if you brought him back, you wouldn't know. What, you know, and as Colin said there, he's been injury prone as well. And, but his career's been stop-start ever since he left Celtic. It kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I sorry, think. Oh, and you go, Colin. Sorry. No, I was going to say just on that idea of the nostalgia aspect. To it, one player that when he left, everyone's like, "He'll come back one day. He'll come back one day." Is Kieran Tierney? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, if Kieran Tierney comes back at say thirty-two, thirty-three, what is that going to be like? What's the? Is it going to be on a nostalgia thing? Are we going to see the next big youngster coming through that we're seeing? Well, you don't need a Cairn Tierney as good as he's going to go on to be. We're just bringing him back for the namesake, or is it just the, the attachment to the club? Do you know what I mean? You try telling all the Celtic supporters that Cairn Tierney's coming back at 32 and you say you don't want him. There would be an exactly. all night that, that Cairn Tierney is destined to come back to Celtic at some point. <laughs> it's his destiny because he also wants to. But again, I would be asking, I would want Cairn Tierney for at least two or three years of good service 
not for the the waving and the the Gary Gillespie one in nine out type <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want that. Uh, but you know, if he maybe maybe his ambition to come back and say declared he wanted to come back, the Celtic supporters would be would be in a frenzy for that, regardless of what age he was. You say thirty two or whatever. You know, so uh, I have no doubt in my mind Kieran Tierney will come back. But I'd like to think he would come back and give Celtic some decent year service as opposed to a final swan song where he doesn't play as much or fit yeah. in their first team. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see if that happens. We've got a few years to go before that. Hopefully, it does plenty in the meantime. But just to close out the conversation, contestant A on YouTube says, "Why would Larson need to live up to his dad's name? He only needs to live up to the standard of the forwards currently at the club." Um, I don't know if you've met any Celtic fans, but I'm sure I'm sure the the name Larson on the back of the shirt would draw comparisons, even if people didn't mean to do it or if it wasn't a deliberate thing. It would just be part of you know being a Celtic supporter would be to see the name Larson on the shirt and compare it to one of the greatest players in our history you only need to look at as as, um, as Tony said Paul Dalglish uh, has suffered from it Jordi Cruyff was another one never lived up to his dad's name to the point where he actually changed his name on the shirt so that he didn't have to have Cruyff on the back of his shirt so you know it is a real a real thing that uh, that, that sons of, of great players suffer from and, uh, and I think that would be the case for Jordan Larson but I think it's wish thinking anyway I don't think we're paying 15 million for a striker anytime soon um, but we'll move on to, to more pressing current matters um, Tony I'll come to you first on this um, Mitchelland on Tuesday night uh, I, I didn't see the first half unfortunately I caught what was arguably the, the, the poorer of the two halves for Celtic but um, you know the, the reports I heard of the first half that was that uh, new, sign, new signing and my mate Leo Labada um, made Mark. a great a great first impression a great debut scored his goal was looking great what was your impressions of the Celtic performance? Do you know what right and people will be shocked horror about this. I'm going to be really positive here about Celtic the other night, right? Wow. Uh, the negatives are there for all to see, right? We were in with the negatives. So they weren't a surprise. I.e. the goalkeeper, the right back, and near Beaton, right? So they were negatives going into the game for a start, right? So they didn't they didn't feel to disappoint you or let you down. What I did like was the shape. We played for 44 minutes until near Beaton took a rush of blood to the head. Right? And Leela Bada was busy. You know, he was linking up play, linking up with uh, Turnbull, linking up with McGregor, linking up with Edward. Real buzz bomb energy. And I wrote a piece for the Celtic Nation. What a cracking goal he scored. Because the temptation is to blast that. Mm. off the goalkeeper when he's parried it. He went for accuracy. And he scudded it into the deck, making sure that the ball would go in the net. It was heading towards an empty goal. And he did it like a veteran striker. You know, for somebody at 19, he was switched on. Not only was he switched on to follow the ball in, he was lightning quick. The goal was parried it, and the first person you see is the ball's heading towards the goalkeeper as a badder coming in. So, game intelligence, I love that. Right. Do you know, but f- sorry to interrupt Tony and I'll let you go on in a second but I, I couldn't agree more with that point because you know the first thing that came into my head when I saw that goal back do you remember the wee flick that Edward tried against Rangers last season and everybody was begging him to put the laces through yeah, yeah, it and he missed yeah. an open goal because yeah. of it it yeah. was exactly that but sorry, yeah. carry on Well, but right, exactly so 
you think well, it might be the only chance he gets in the game, concentrated and burying it. And burying it he did, get his Celtic career off to a flyer. Magic, fans loved him. 44 minute hook, sacrificial substitute for his compatriot just taking a gun and shooting himself in the foot, right? And the team, <laughs> right? No, no explanation for There is no explanation for what he did, right? Let his teammates down on himself as well. Second half, so Celtic have hit the post, Chrissy's hit the post, and, and big up Ange, he's got a tune out of Christie. He said to him, Look, you're in this team, might be an unpopular decision amongst the supporters, but I don't care, I'm doing it my way. If you want to, if you want to move, son, earn it, but do me a turn. He didn't, and Ange didn't cut off his nose despite his face, played his strongest team. Big up to him for that, right? Christie gave him a, gave him a tune, right? Dean Murray, when he came on, he replaced uh, Beaton. You know, two young guys, combined age of 39, we had as a centre-back pair in the 49. I'm 10 years older than that, right? Yeah, Mitchell I never thought at any time to put two young boys under pressure. Coped with it. You know, they could have crumbled, you know, try to, but they didn't. The goalkeeper that crumbled, but again, we know all about that. I was happy with that. The midfield trio, Turnbull, Sorrow and McGregor, I'll have, I'm having them all day long. Sorrow just needs to curb his enthusiasm because he'll get two yellow cards of a game now and again just for, <laughs> just for running in and scudding people, right? Yeah. But I love, I love his industry. McGregor and Turnbull are ballers, right? Up front, Edward. What do you do about Odson Edward? You know, whatever one time, that's an absolute sitter that in his heyday he would have just, you know, he would have dinked it Larson style, right? I think mm-hmm. apart from the ways there should happen and quickly, I think he just, he wants out the door. So I think it's time we got him out the door and brought in one stroke, two strikers, if we can afford them and they're available. Right? A jetty, you know, jury's still out in a jetty and the Griffiths conundrum remains. So, but I thought there was a real method to Celtic. They were slick at times with their passing. They were sharp and speedy going forward. You know, so... That's what I wanted to see, and I was pleasantly surprised. And for all my negativity uh, in general during Andy's appointment, I have to say I'm warming to him because he speaks his truth as well. Mm. You know, he he, uh, mm-hmm. he just calls it like it is, you know. And and also what I like, he refused to throw those players under the bus publicly, privately, probably see them. He's probably got that mentality. Whatever happens in here stays in this best room. And that's the way it should be. Don't ever slaughter your players publicly. But by all means, read the Riot Act and the privacy of your own dress room. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. And uh, Celtic, as I've constantly said on this pod, they will improve in a week's time, a month's time, two months' time. Staff belts coming in. Hashi's coming in. You know, the rumours of others coming in. You get a goalkeeper in, you can start to see a method here, a style of play, formation, organisation, shape. And I'm quite pleased. I was really pleased what I saw the other night because I, I, I didn't expect it. Pleasant surprise. And I think Celtic can go to Denmark and, and win. Mm. And, and win comfortably because I didn't see enough from Michelin to think that if Celtic, you know, if Celtic can pressure them again, that, that they'll beat Celtic. 
Yeah, uh, to, br- to back up what you've said, NTJA on YouTube says, I've never ever been so excited after a draw for Celtic um, than I was after the Champions League game. Ange did wonders with half a team. Hopefully we get fullbacks resolved. So I, I think everybody is sharing what you, sa- what you said there about... <sighs> You know, coming out of it feeling a lot more positivity. If you'd said to me uh, before Tuesday night that I would come out of the game thinking we could go away to Denmark and potentially get a win, then um, I, I wouldn't have believed you. But I, I'm now sitting here with that attitude. Now, the fact that PSV won their first game 5-1 against Galatasaray and are looking pretty tasty, for want of a better word, uh, is something that we don't need to consider until later down the line. But... Um, <laughs> Colin, I'll come to you first. Um, before I get your general thoughts on the game, Tony raised a good point about Edward. Um, you know, that he's not the player of old that he wants out the door. It looks to me like he's tried to do the Ayer thing, tried to do the Boyata thing, tried to do what so many players have done in the past and down tools. But in his case, he's maybe not down tools fully but he's certainly not half the player he was and it seems to have backfired for him a bit because I'm not hearing anything about a move in the often. Do you think he did himself damage last season in terms of becoming a player that people want to buy? Is he stuck here because of the decisions he made in the way that he played last season? I don't know if you maybe just missed it Laura but there was news that broke just before we came on air that Brighton have apparently put a bid in of £21 million. Well, there you go, breaking news, folks. I didn't see that, so there you go. That was uh, that was the the rumour that was coming round just before we came on air. So mm. if you get anything like that, we were I was talking about it in my WhatsApp group with my pals, if you get anything like that and what you get for Ayer, to get £30 million for the two of them combined, mm. that is a fantastic bit of business, especially with both of them still having 12 months left on their deal. But I get the point that, that Tony's making, because at the minute you're sitting with two strikers. You're sitting with a Yeti and you're sitting with Edward, and at the minute none of them are inspiring in front of goal. I think a Yeti did fairly well pre-season. Edward showed what he could do in spells. I mean, you saw the goal he scored against Sheffield Wednesday. It was a great striker's finish. Um, but none of them are the kind of player that you're saying at the minute, well, they are on form. So when you go into the game next Wednesday, it's a sort of toss of a coin to say, well, it's either going to be a Yeti or Edward. I think on that performance and the fact that it's probably going to be a completely different game um, over there on Wednesday night, I'd probably start with a Yeti. I think a Yeti is someone who is better at linking up the play, um, especially if you get a bad and maybe Forrest or Christie on the left-hand side. I think they'll have... Um, some good interplay. I'm thinking back to the game against, was it Lille last year? Mm. Um, when Ayeti and Elanusi linked up extremely well. Yeah. Um, so I think he, he'll be the one to come into that. And then if you're still needing to go, put the two of them up front. Go mm. with Ayeti and Edward if you need to go. Um, but that that is the problem. If, if Edward does go, then all you're left with is Ayeti. So you are going to have to dip into that market and try and find someone who's going to get you 20, 30 goals a season, something that Edward's done repeatedly for Celtic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there I, is I a totally story there is a school I've got that Griffiths could end up playing some kind of uh, part here, you know, as unpalatable as that might be to some Celtic fans. Mm. You know, I think Andy's a realist, you know, and if, uh, and if that's true about the 21 million from Brighton, you have to bite the hand off that and, and a parting of the ways and 
as you say, Colin, that's a fantastic piece of business. Right. <laughs> I always say ourselves here selling players with that kind of money. I mean, we, we really should be wearing stripe suits and a swag bag and a mask. <laughs> for Scottish Premiership. <laughs> it's incredible sums, right, uh, for, for the level that we're playing at. But it's fair play to Celtic because that business model's working, mm-hmm. right, of getting in, you know, decent players, gems and polishing them up and making them ready for somebody else but at our price and on our terms and I'm all for that That that's something that ain't broke itself to that business model of getting players in cheaply and flogging them on for a fortune further down the line and then getting that sell-on clause when they go on for more money and later on in their career so I, I would be delighted if Celtic got £21 million for Bright, from Brighton for Odson Edward and I think uh, it's it's a timely bid. And I think, uh, and I know a lot of people say, I oh, don't take the first bid because I'm willing to pay more. And I think in this situation, you would just say, yep, thanks very much. Thanks for playing. We'll take that. Au revoir, uh, Edouard. And uh, yeah, thanks for the memories. You know, because uh, that's a tidy sum. And you could get one stroke, two strikers in if you reinvested some of that in the team, which mm-hmm. I hope which I hope they would do moving forward that's just over 8 Gary Hoopers just putting it out there can't have a team full of Gary Hoopers I know you like them oh, <laughs> we defend now and again you know what I mean <laughs> Um, well, Colin, to, to widen the conversation a bit more we've had Tony's thoughts on the Michelin game um, what were your thoughts on the team performance in general? What were your thoughts on on the new signing Abada before he had to leave the pitch, and uh, and obviously you know where where do you stand on on near Beaton and his future at the club, given that he kind of lost his head a little bit as far as things are concerned and, and got himself sent off and probably maybe cost us a victory in the match. To be honest, uh, near Beaton probably shouldn't have came back into the team after his disaster at Ibrox, but mm. we we seem to just give people second, third chances willy-nilly at the club so um, it wasn't actually a surprise to see him in you look at it though and you're thinking the guy's barely kicked a ball in pre-season and we've thrown him into this big game, I think Natasha tweeted about it as well saying we've we've went with the experience and the experience has let us down and that's the best way to describe it Um, Look, there was a lot of positives to take away from that game Um, as I said, Leela Bada on the right-hand side and on the left-hand side. He was kind of switching between the two. He was extremely impressive. Um, there was one just before we got the goal where he was down the right-hand side and he took his man on and it got given out as a goal kick. But when you watch the replay back, that ball was still in. He's someone that's going to hit the byline. He's going to get his head up and look for the the player in the middle. You saw it a couple of times when he put the two balls in um, and Christie headed over. Look, that's what we've been missing out this team last year. When you take James Forrest out of that team, that's what you miss. Um, and obviously Forrest still to come back in. The, the question will be until Furuhashi clears um, his quarantine, can you play both Abada and Forrest in the same team? Because if you can get them two firing, um, it's putting balls on a plate for whoever's going to play up front. Um, and that's exactly what we need. There's, there's other things on what Tony said that I agree with. Sorrow, I think, on the ball is fantastic. He's very, very good with his distribution, um, getting forward, turning defence into attack. When he's not got the ball, 
he <laughs> it's it's wild. Some of the tackles that he went into um, on Wednesday, Tuesday, sorry, he was very very lucky to, yeah. to get away with not getting booked. Um, so that is really something he has to work on because as poor as the referee was on Tuesday, Scottish referees are probably ten times worse, and they're going to become for stuff like that. Um, I thought it was ironic um, the Mitchell red card, especially after the wee wink that came from the guy once he got near Beaton sent off. He knew what he was doing. He was winding the guy up completely. So um, after he'd put the wee wink in, it was brilliant to see him getting sent off. But Dane Murray coming in at centre-half, another good performance. Stephen Welsh had a leader's performance at centre-back. He's someone who is um, is determined to prove me wrong because I said he would be a third or fourth choice centre-back, but he is doing extremely, extremely well. And overall, it was good to see players that we thought last season you know, they didn't really give us anything. Guys like McGregor, who I thought was outstanding in that game, and he was very unlucky not to, to score with the one that came off the bar. So it's early signs, but the early signs are positive. And as Anne says, his team will be even fitter in eight days' time, and that I can't wait to see. Yeah, it definitely looks as if he's getting a tune, as Tony said, out of players like Christie, who didn't last season, um, and out of you know a number of other players that weren't playing well last season, like like we've all said. Um, Red Scotland commented uh, on YouTube just not that long ago that um, held. Starfelt, Julianne, Murray, Welsh. You know, when you look at that as an option, yes, um, Murray especially, but Welsh as well are inexperienced and, and we don't really know how Starfelt's going to go. But, Tony, that to me isn't, isn't a poor selection of defenders. I think Welsh and Murray have shown enough that you can depend on them to, when they come in to do a job as much as you can depend on any teenager of that age if Ange lives up to his words surely he's going to give them a chance at, at first team football this season I'll let you know after Wednesday night he's <laughs> <laughs> probably going to have to go with Welsh and Murray right? Yeah. Yeah, things are good I like the look of Murray and I agree with you Colin with Welsh he's just looking at every passing game right? Mm. but He's not brought Starfelt in for nothing, right? We need experience, right? Yeah. Only a Beaton was the one that let us down the other night. But you're talking about cool heads under pressure. Julianne and Starfelt coming back in, you would say are automatic picks. But are they? Because you can't drop Welsh on this on his current form, right? Or he's got the yellow jersey, as they say. It's his to lose at the minute. So I think Starfelt will come in with Welsh when he's fit and ready to play or, you know, uh, allowed to play. And then Julian coming back. Then but these are the kind of dilemmas and headaches that a manager loves, right? He's also got Murray there. So you Starfelt, Julian, Welsh, Murray. You say that's no bad. And Shielda as well. Yeah, well, good agree, I'm not. Well, I didn't stroke that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he would probably want another central defender to be sure, to be sure. Mm. You know what I mean? Because with youngsters come mistakes and experience, all that kind of thing, right? And you know my thoughts. I would allow them to breathe. Like Laura, you say, you have to play them. Mm. Iron any kind of deficiencies in the game out of them and give them that confidence and say to them, I'm trusting you. Don't let me down. Or go and show, go and show people what you can do. Right? And, and if the manager tells you that, then... You know, if Celtic play with Welsh and Murray on Wednesday night, you might be like, 
Oh goodness, but part of you is like, go and show those guys, go and, go and take this game by the scuff and go and, go and perform to the best of your ability and show why the manager rates you so highly and he's trusted you with a mission of such importance. And I would be intrigued, like a lot of Celtic supporters, to see what they can do. But I'm also buoyed by the fact you have Julian coming back, you brought in Starfield. You know, you can see bit by bit and just piecing the team together. Colin mentioned Forrest. I wouldn't be surprised in the future, Colin, if Forrest and Abada both played in Celtic. Mm-hmm. If you see the pace and the level they played at the other night, at times, the way they knocked that about and the way they broke forward at breakneck speed, you need wingers for that. Yeah. And he likes two wide men, doesn't he? Yep. So you're playing two wide men with A and other in the centre, whoever that may be. And I think it'd be a centre forward coming into the place that possibly the pattern Edward. And if you can get two wide guys, I think that that could be Angie's MO moving forward. And that's you're carrying a potent threat there. Because you've also got a badder who can cut inside and score. Boris can do the same. So you're kind of it's like a three pronged attack, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're maybe yeah. a four three three type thing, right? For want of a better expression, but you're certainly getting value out of two wide men supplying a main striker. I think that the way I looked at it the other night, I thought that's the kind of thing he's kind of building towards. He just needs the personnel, but he's he's getting the building blocks in place. He's, first of all, he's dealing with the back, bringing in Starfield. Probably the midfield is. I would maybe add a midfield enforcer, maybe somebody with a bit of height and presence and a bit of dig, you know, to not replace Scott Brown, but kind of similar type role. And Sorrow's good, but I think Colin and I have alluded to, he's challenging to be erratic, can't it? You know, and mm-hmm. that worries me slightly. But I think that that's kind of the, what, what Angie's maybe thinking. Could be wrong, but I was quite impressed by a lot of Celtic stuff on, on Tuesday night. Here's the, here's the thing, Tony. See if you are going to have to play, and it does look as if it's going to be the case, Welsh and Murray. I, I do think that you're going to have to change the setup um, to protect them over there as well. You don't yeah. want them having to face 90 minutes of attack because you know what it's like when Celtic go away from home in Europe. It's You can have the game abroad and um, the team will come at you for 90 minutes and then they get to Celtic Park and they change the way they play and I fully expect that will be the case from Mitchelland um, through the week so if that is going to be the case you've obviously got Sorrow sitting there but I think I would probably drop David Turnbull out and bring someone in maybe, I mean in Cham if he was fit would have been an option but he's not, he's just not um, so I'm looking at probably the one of the only other players that can play in there is uh, Liam Shaw who I thought has been pretty decent in pre-season so I would maybe go with a three of maybe um, McGregor, Sorrow and Shaw and I know it's very defensive but I think you have got to put that protection in front of those back to um, especially the way that we, we seem to play the wingers as inverted wingers now as well so that there's going to be times where the, they're going to get at us and we do have to protect them. I couldn't agree more those, if you play those two youngsters you're going to have to protect them you know, and the, and the manager will know that. So that that's that's his call on Wednesday night. But my point is, from what I've seen of the two of them, I wouldn't be averse to playing the two of them. Normally, yeah. I would balk at that. But from what I've seen so far, I, I think the, the two young guys could cope with it. You know, but I know Mitchell will change their tactics. Probably 
probably see that as maybe a potential weak link. But I'd, I'm confident enough. I'd be con- if the manager gives them the nod, then I'd be confident in the manager's choice with those two at the back to say they can complete the job or help Shelby complete the job. But I agree with you totally. They would need to be protected by whatever personnel they got. And if that was Shaw and Sorrow just saying, look, you know, won't play too far, you know, in front of them, stick with them, yeah. talk through it, make sure they're safe at all times. You know, it, it would make sense. And the thing is as well, if the game's still there after an hour or so, you've got that option coming off the bench. You've got a Turnbull, you've got mm. a Roderick, you've got a, an Edward, if he's not the one that starts that if you need that goal, you can turn to them. And once you're comfortable playing that position, then with 20, 30 minutes to go, if you're still in it, just go for it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's been a big weakness, big weakness of the team in, in the last season, especially that we haven't had an option coming off the bench. And, and with these couple of signings, you feel like we're bulking out the squad a little bit. Um, we've still got a long way to go, obviously, but we're getting there. It remains to be seen, uh, you know, what happens next week with Michelin but certainly we're all a bit more positive than we were uh, we've got the, the friendly against West Ham tomorrow um, uh, that uh, we will be covering on Axom you won't be Colin or not as far as I'm aware because you have won the ballon and are going back to the game how are you feeling about that? Uh, it's, it's like Christmas Eve here I am absolutely buzzing to get back to Celtic Park. I don't care what the scoreline is tomorrow. Yeah. Even if we if we go away with a ten 0 defeat tomorrow, I'll have a smile. The length of Sucky Hall Street and the fact that I'm getting back to Celtic Park. Um, it's been so long. I was extremely jealous of the nine thousand on Tuesday night and even the two thousand on the Saturday before. So it's great to see that we're kind of on the path now to getting the fans back into the ground. I think is it 24,500 for either the next qualifier or the first um, league game of the season so hopefully it won't be too long before we see 50,000-60,000 at Celtic Park and I'm absolutely buzzing to get to get back tomorrow. I'm also not too far away from uh, where I'm sitting so it's almost like getting back to normal. It's, they're teasing yeah. us for getting there. <laughs> we're on the road again as they say. Exactly. Um, but before we finish out the show I just wanted to have a wee... Um, let folk into a little bit of the experience of, of being on this show and the opportunities that are afforded to us by being on this show. I was talking to Tony about it. I was talking to, to the guys in the, the, the group chat and, and to Colin about it. I had the fortune uh, last week of attending my first ever fan press conference with Leela Bada. Um, got to ask him a question uh, perhaps expected a little too much from his answer because I asked him basically to tell me all Dom Mackay and Ange Postacoglu's plans for the club going forward which obviously he, he didn't do but he was he was very courteous in his answer but got a lot of information out, out of him that left me in no doubt about the type of player he is, about the fact that he's definitely an Ange Postacoglu signing so there was plenty to take from that but the reason I wanted to talk about it was just to say you know this this show and this opportunity to do these things, it really was a dream come true. Um, the opportunity to, to get into these things, and I say this to anybody to anybody watching, to anybody listening, if you're able to, you know, take up a hobby like, like I've done, uh, like everybody else on this podcast has done, um, all thanks to Paul John for starting it, obviously. If you're able to take up a hobby that gets you opportunities like this, please 
take the opportunity because it really is a kind of bucket list moment if you'd told 12 year old me that I'd be sitting in a, a press conference with a brand new Celtic sign and I don't think I'd have believed you um, so yeah I'm just saying to anybody out there you know take these opportunities when they come your way because you will not regret it whenever you get the chance and and the other reason I want to talk about it is because obviously we've got Tony Haggerty here who is a, has been a professional uh, sports journalist for uh, well, I don't want to guess how long, Tony. I'll, I'll not. I'll not offend you by trying to guess how long it is, but. Um... I, I write things down. <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin was telling us 25 years for Henrik Larson, and I got a bit personally offended by that, but then he clarified, so we were all good. But, Tony. You've got a bit more of a professional experience of being in these these um, press yeah. conferences. You must have some stories from from those experiences that are, are are good for the after dinner circuit. I'll tell you my most favourite story, and it's not about a press conference. It's actually about my first ever game. I come right. up with a record, right? I was a journalism student at Glasgow Uni, uh, sorry Glasgow College, Strathclyde. and I'd written to all the papers and asked to cover games. The Daily Record got back to me, Bill, like he was a sports editor. And he says, we're sending you to Queen's Park for Hamden. And I'm like, yes, right, fine, great, we'll try you out. Magnificent. So I'm as keen as mustard, I've turned up, brilliant. Tony, you just you go down after the game, you speak to the players, the guy scores a win and go with two managers, you're right in the court. Magic, great, fantastic. So there I am, and I've sat there, right? Notebook, pen, pad, paper, stopwatch. You know, hear the rest whistle, click the stopwatch, and I'm just kind of sitting and I look up, and Danny Ferry's running away like that. Queen's Parker one up. I've not seen it. I've not seen it. <laughs> and I'm watching a career disappear around the U Bend as quickly as anything, right? There's three of us there. There's myself, there's a guy from the Sun, and a guy from PA. So we've all turned to each other in, in unison. We're going, what happened there? Three journalists, and not one of us has seen it, right? <laughs> Scottish press for you and microcosmic form. <laughs> so I'm starting to panic. <laughs> oh no. So I see the steward and I shout to the steward, Did you see that? Like, shout him over. And I kid you not, this is really comedy, right? So the guy wanders over and I says to him, Listen, I said, Couldn't make up. I says, Three journalists, what we like. None of us saw the goal. Can you talk us through it? And we'll put a word of a lie. He looks and says, and the queen found a ticket ten up ten up for the prince and ten up ten up. No, not even. And it's all to the guy, you know what I mean? But some like that, she's there. Uh, can you tell us slowly again <laughs> what happened there? Well, sure enough, through the same rigmarole, and the guy, you know. <laughs> oh no, this is this is oh. I say, like, thanks very much. That's wonderful. So I looked at the other two, and I'm like, what do you think? He's like. I don't know. So I've gone down at the end of the game, Queen's Park went for nothing. I've gone down, I've interviewed Danny Ferry. I said, fuck, Danny, nine seconds, fuck, cannonball kid and all that kind of stuff. Talk us through it. And he's like, I don't know what happened. I just ran forward <gasps> and the ball just appeared in front of me and I stuck it in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, okay, fine. You know, the manager never saw it either. He was too busy, you know, getting in the tent. Nobody knows what's happened, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have to fudge this here, so... But I know the first question I'm going to ask is, what happened, you know? But thankfully, I couldn't drive at that point. My brother and my dad were there. So, <laughs> but we've gone home, and I'm writing for the Monday, so I write my report on the Sunday. 
<laughs> I've said to her, walked home, I've said to my brother and my dad, eh, didn't she the first goal, did she? I'm <laughs> 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 rolling up and laughing, not like, sacked in the morning. <laughs> and so, yeah, thankfully the two of them, so what happened was it was a swirling wind in rain, right? Queens have took centre. They've hit it back. The guy's just launched it. And you're talking about sweeper-keepers. He's been out, like, 30 yards, and the centre defenders is kind of, you know, in front of him. The ball's bounced, and it's snorted right off the top over the two of them. And Danny Ferries came from nowhere and just thought, oh, and, and stuck it in the net. But those words are always in my, in my head, you know, and poor wee man, you know, wee steward guy, he's probably not been paid a lot of money, and, you know, I was just like, oh... God, of all the steers that you picked, you know, he's just like, and the guy was getting really excited because he was talking journalists, just like, magic, mate, thanks very much. Reminds me of that that famous clip of uh, Chris Kamara on uh, Soccer Saturday where they go to him, I think it's Portsmouth and Blackburn are playing, Jeff Stelling says, "Uh, there's been a sending off at at Ewood (laughs) Park, Chris, but for who? And he goes, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you know, life affords you wonderful privileges doing this job, and I, I love it, and I, I love it dearly. I love it with a passion. But uh, when I think you talk about humble beginnings, you know that's the most humblest of beginnings. Whereas a football journalist, you you missed the first ever goal <laughs> and the first ever match that you covered, and people probably accuse you of missing everything ever since. And you know, and, and being like that. But I, uh, you, you. That moment of excitement that you got the other day doing that, Laura, it was only matched by my seeing on the Monday the byline, Queen's Park, North North for Mill. Yeah. And that's the one that I've got uh, laminated. It's not anything else. It's that one, because that's the one that kick-started everything. That's the one that, that means the world to me. You know, when people say, oh, you've covered this game and you've covered that press conference and you've got that, yeah. I've done a lot of things. Jim says I've, I've seen a lot of things and did a lot of things, but see that that one there, Queen's Park four four for now. That that's just the one that you know has led to everything else, which I have did of my career in football journalism. And without that, I, w- I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So that I I've got such a fond affection for Hamden, Queen's Park four four, you know things like that. We just trigger that memory and. And I can't stop laughing when I think about that and how I was nearly crying at the time. That <laughs> and, and what's the chances of you going to your first ever game when a guy scored in the nine seconds? You know, it's just like... And I, and I think I started... The first ever line I wrote was turbocharged Danny Ferry. You know, Excellent. Talk about tabloid fodder, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and refer to him as a cannonball kid in the next paragraph or something. You know, Excellent. So, yeah. Great, great stuff and yeah like you say I got a wee glimpse of that excitement that kind of uh, that wonderment of, of being in the being in the press conference and I say the only thing that shocked me when I was uh, when I eventually got into the call was what was staring back at me was a 19 year old boy who'd just moved halfway across the world to play football you know so everybody's a human being at the end of the day and you've got to remember that Colin before we go uh in case you're not familiar with the Friday show, I know you are, I know you watch it every week, but in case you're not, 
Tony is famous for making his greet and he nearly did that again today so uh, on that note we will leave it, we'll obviously see everybody thanks for commenting on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter, if you haven't subscribed already please get subscribed, we'll see you again this weekend for the match coverage against West Ham United Colin, Tony, it's been a pleasure thank you very much everybody As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.